Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Luke 10 and verse number one. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and every and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. His harvest field. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. In other words, don't dilly-dally. Verse 5, that was in the Greek. Verse 5, And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. In other words, don't treat the city like a smorgasbord and go house to house and uh, you know, go to the best deal. Uh, just be content where you are. Verse 8, And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out, of, out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you, that it shall not be more, it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works have been done, that have been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, uh, shall be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. Father, would you guide us in our time together tonight? Would you make it profitable for these that have taken the time to be here this evening? And I do just echo the prayer for those that, Lord, are not feeling well and are uh, just sick and enduring that right now. And I pray your special grace upon them. Lord, you know that the physical does certainly affect us spiritually. That's how you created us. And so I pray for your special uh, just blessing and encouragement uh, spiritually, emotionally upon 
those of our church family that are not well, uh, are uh, faced with diseases, and uh, Lord, I pray that you just strengthen them and uh, uphold them by your right arm. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us also as a church to uh, stay ourselves upon you as Jehovah, the, the self-existent one, the eternal one, the one who has all power. And Lord, how often our hearts wander. Uh, you, uh, the songwriter said, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. We can identify with that. And so we pray tonight that you would help us to just stay ourselves upon you, to be still and to know that you're God. Lord, especially meet with us now as we look forward to the mission weeks and the special emphasis in the coming month. Lord, the missionaries that you'll bring our way that have something to teach us. Pray that you call out of our midst uh, laborers for your harvest field, both here in the United States and around the world. And we ask that you do a special work. Would you, would you do something that is beyond us? Would you just do a spiritual move in our, in our church family? And I pray that you'd really unite us in prayer for that. And so would you guide us this evening, we pray, as, as we look into this matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here again tonight. I really do appreciate it and uh, what a beautiful day that God has given us it is a wonderful blessing not to have 80 and muggy when you walk outside first thing in the morning so praise the Lord for that that's a blessing but we're here tonight and I want us to really focus on this matter of missions prayer band or just an opportunity to focus in on prayer in the context here uh, Jesus has just told his disciples listen if you're going to follow after me if you're going to take up your cross and follow me it's going to cost you something it's going to cost you something. In fact, look at chapter 9 and verse number 62. And Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He says, hey, you started the work, you started following after me, you look back, you, you're second-guessing. No man's fit for the kingdom of God. He, he is saying there's a high cost. He's not saying you're going to lose your salvation. He's saying there's a high cost to discipleship and to following me. And uh, we have been challenged here in America with so much comfort and uh, joys of following Jesus Christ. We have not been tested. We've really not paid the high cost of discipleship that Jesus is talking about here. Uh, we have certainly seen those that put their hands to the plow and looked back and, and, and gone back and forth with the Lord. And, and God says there is a high cost of discipleship. And in that same context, Jesus looks out beyond his 12 and he selects 70 others who had evidently been following him, had believed on him, understood who he was, and he said, I'm going to send you into cities that I'm going to be going to, and I'm going to have you bring a particular message of preparation to those cities, and I want you to go your way and help out in that way. And he, he specifically called them, he, they were to preach of the Savior, preach toward the Savior, and he would be coming in due time. He said there in verse number one that uh, he was sending them out into every city and place, whither he himself would come. And so what we find here is Jesus preparing a group of people, just like you and I, that, that are not different than you and I, uh, to, be, uh, to be missionaries for him, to be ambassadors for him, to be sent ones for him. And as he did so, he was going to give them uh, his heart, in verse number one, he was going to give them a prayer that he was praying and wanted them to pray as well, and he was also going to give them instructions along the way, and we'll probably cover those instructions that we read through at another time. Tonight, for the of this, this 
encouragement or this Bible study, we want to look at the heart and the prayer of Christ here in verses 1 and 2. And I want us to realize how that Christ's heart is so evidently seen here in verse number 1 when he says, And the Lord, uh, after these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also. I want us just to stop and notice this uh, as a matter. Jesus uh, called 12, and I think it was a couple weeks ago when we were having the question and answer, someone said, why 12? Well, 12 is a very manageable number. They were constantly with him, and he could really pour his life into, but there were others that were following him, and others that needed to be involved in the work that Jesus had here on earth. And so Jesus had a heart, I want us to notice, first of all, to involve more laborers in the work that he was accomplishing here on earth. I want us to really understand, he, he called other 70. These weren't the 12. These were other 70 that were going to be a part of being able to serve the Savior here on earth, to be a part of carrying his message somewhere else. I want us to think about the fact that Jesus had 12, but he appointed 70 more. And consider the increase, the percentage increase of that. Can anyone rattle that off at the top of your a math, a math genius in here? What is the percentage increase of that? over 12. He had had 12, but he's appointing 70 more. What's the increase there? Okay, but as far as a percentage, somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 plus um, percent, an increase of that much. I just want us to realize Jesus is still very desirous of including more people in the work of the harvest, in the work of missions, in the work of winning this uh, very wayward world back to himself. Uh, the idea here of appointed is the, the idea of, 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 of giving a duty, um, giving a place, giving a position. So Jesus literally with these individuals, he appointed them. He said, and there was, there was no doubt, there was, you're going over to this city, you're going over to this city, and he was giving them a specific purpose, a specific plan, a specific position, and here's what you're to do when you get in that city. And even down to how they carried themselves and, and whether they moved from house to house and whether they, they ate what was put in front of them or did not and how they were to deal with the rejection, he dealt with all of that and he involved these laborers, these 70 more, in specific places, in specific positions to do his work. Sometimes we think, well, Jesus can't use people like us. We got pastors and then we got the rest. You know what's amazing? is you go throughout all the scripture and you realize that the people that God uses are just run-of-the-mill, ordinary people. Pastors had the same flesh. Evangelists had the same flesh. The, uh, uh, the missionaries had the same flesh. And even as we think about that, Abraham, as uh, some people have written down some wonderful thoughts here, Abraham, he, he got old. Uh, he got up in years and God still had a plan for him. Boy, he blew it. He got drunk. He really blew it in the, after God had used him. David had an affair. Jonah ran away from God. Gideon was insecure, was he not? I don't know about this. I don't know if I can be used. Moses stuttered. I can't talk. No way. Moses stuttered. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was depressed. Jacob was a cheater. Martha was oftentimes an anxious, nervous wreck in the kitchen. She might not have even been the most pleasant person to be around when she was in that position. Miriam was a gossiper. Peter denied Christ. Peter knew what it was to have someone gunning for him. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Peter Paul was a murderer. Thomas was a doubter. Zacchaeus was short. 
just really practical. He didn't, he didn't probably much care for the, his stature. Lazarus was dead. And you know, the fact of the matter is, God still used these individuals. And there's an old quote that goes around, and it does this well to remember. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He is constantly working to equip us, to strengthen us. What did he give us church for and spiritual leaders for? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But when we look at these individuals that Jesus appointed and put in a particular place, uh, we don't know all the backgrounds of them, but they were appointed by Christ and do, do recognize that these were people just like you and I. And before we say, well, this matter of missions is for someone else or what we're facing in the next several months, it's going to be really good to you know, uh, just hear the missionaries talk about their experiences and what's going on. No, God has a place for you. He has a part in this mission for you. And there's a part that we can all play. Jesus is still appointing. And we ought to pray as a, as a missions prayer band tonight. We ought to pray, God, raise up appointees right out of our church. Raise them up. And we ought to pray for that on that matter. But I want us to notice that Jesus did not just desire and have a heart to involve more laborers. He also desired to take those that were unwilling to be involved and partner them together. Did you notice in verse number one, he sent them out two by two. Now, Jesus knows everything. He knows that this person works better with this person. He teamed them up. He, he, he probably made some pretty awesome teams. Not to, not to say that these people never uh, saw, uh, you know, saw things a different way. But then at the, at, the, at the very least, we need to understand that Jesus had a plan for these individuals, and he also had a desire that they would be partnered together two by two. We go into the book of Acts, and we see that there's a lot of team ministry in the early church. Paul had a team. Even as he comes down to Jerusalem, we don't see it much in the book of Acts, but he had seven uh, somewhere around seven different guys that were mentioned back a couple chapters that were traveling with them. Trophimus, the one who, uh, who, who the whole stirrup in Jerusalem was caused over because they thought he went into the, into the temple as a Gentile, he was with the Apostle Paul. We see team ministry, and Jesus desired to, to partner these labors together. He sent them out two by two. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. And we need to remember as a church family the importance of doing ministry together. We need to remember the importance of bringing people along and being willing to be along. Uh, sometimes it's easier to do something on our own. In fact, there's an African proverb that goes this way. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Well, we have a mission and a responsibility right here in this own city. And God wants us to team together. He teamed them together. Teamwork makes the dream work. And there's such a blessing in teaming together. We'll get the team together on Monday and, and be a part of just being out in the community together. Uh, no, we're not going to have the opportunity to broadcast the gospel, but we will be a gospel presence out there. Uh, we'll put, um, pass out on the parade, the parade route uh, bands to uh, any children who will receive them. And this time they say, Jesus loves me. And then it has our, our website on it. And just something that's a, a, a reminder, gracekettering.org. And, and it's, it's important that we do this together and we enjoy things together, that we go 
door knocking together, that we uh, witness together, that we share with one another about what God is doing together, that we team together, that we're not isolated. Uh, the fact is we need each other. Introvert or extrovert, we need each other. And friend, as the more isolated you are, the more that you isolate from the church and the church family, it, you will find yourself spiritually shriveling up. That is not Jesus' plan for us. He wants to be partnered together in this, in this work uh, whereto he's called us. But he also, in verse number one, notice, he wanted to send them before his face, before his face into every city and place. He desired, his heart was to send them. It wasn't just to keep them. Now you stay here for the next 15 years and you just listen and listen and listen and listen and listen. No, his desire was to send them. There came a point where the listening was done and now it was time to launch them. It was no longer a learning center. Uh, great, the learning center's shutting down. It's now time to launch out and to go into these cities that Jesus was saying. Uh, the word sent means the dispatch. It is the same word from which we get the, the word apostle, I sent one. So he was sending them out to do a work for him. Now, I want us to notice that in verses 3 through 16, that there are about 240 words of instruction that Jesus gave these individuals. That's not very many words for a mission that they'd never been on before. This was not, and whether, whether there was other instruction that the Holy Spirit did not deem best for us to have, what the Holy Spirit gave us is there's 240 words of instruction. Here's what you do, don't do. Here's what you do with the rejection. Here's what you do when you're received well. Here's what you do. All right, now go. And so he gave them the instruction and now is launching them forth. They went before Christ's face in order to prepare the way for Christ, in order to point the way to Christ. Their one job was to point the way to Jesus Christ. He's coming. You need, a, you need to receive him. You need to turn from your own thought processes, your own, your own uh, self-dependence, and you need to rest in the Savior. He's coming, and they were to preach in that way. Romans 10 and verse number 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on, of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent, there's that word, except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Um, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so you have these ones being sent by Jesus Christ. His desire, his heart was to send them. And Christ still desires to send not just the foreign fields, but even as we've learned over the past couple of weeks, God, Jesus, uh, God just desires to send and involve us in the work of the ministry. I'm so thankful for what we've been able to accomplish this, this year, and I'm thankful that some will be able to go down to Grenada and be a part of that. Does not the Lord desire to send some? Does not God have a plan and a purpose, and who should go? And I even think about the church plans that we've recently been able to help. Does not God have a plan and purpose and who? And you know what's our, our, our job on this side is let's make sure that we're praying. Let's make sure that we're supporting. Let's make sure that we're engaged in it, not just them doing their thing and us doing our thing, but we're, we're teaming together. We're partnering together in this work, uh, though we might not even be in the same geographical location. So Christ's heart was to send them to every city and every place that he was planning on going. 
And you know what? It's amazing is God is still doing that by allowing you to water, water the soil of your neighbor's heart, or water the, the soil of that clerk's heart, give a, a word of witness, and then he brings another person along and waters it again. And then Jesus shows up in that person's life at a moment of crisis or wherever, and that person comes to Jesus Christ by faith, and he has sent many, many people along into that person's life over time to, to work on them and to bring them to himself. Jesus is still doing the same thing. He desires to send us. This is the heart of Christ and how thankful we are for the heart of Christ. We have to make sure that we are not content, and this is a prayer that I have, that we're not content just to hear lectures in this room. Hear the lectures and never get launched. This is a learning center, but at some time the learning center has to close down, has to say you're dismissed, and it's time to launch. That's why out there at the sign as we leave, you're now entering the mission field. You're entering the mission field. Why? It, it's not time to keep on, on learning. We can, we can be inside Bible studies and services, I mean, back to back to back. We live in a day where there's so much out there to listen to. And what I fear is that sometimes as American Christians, we become so, we become satisfied by just hearing and hearing and hearing. But there has to be a point where we do. There has to be a point where we, we go. I believe with all my heart that God wants to send people out of this church. And I don't believe that we go through, we go through mission weeks or just, just in general church life. And God is content, well, you know, I'll send them out of another church, but not your church. No, 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 I believe God wants to send them out of this church. Do you believe that? And we, we must pray towards that end and know that this is the heart of Christ. Christ's heart is to involve more laborers. Uh, great success out of the next month or so is for more of our church family and more people to have a greater sense of the need and a willingness to be involved in it. Uh, more people saying, partner me with somebody. More people saying, hey, send me. Let me be sent. I want to be sent. And so that's the heart of Christ. Involve, to partner, and to send them forth. And uh, Jesus was trusting them. Would, would some of these guys say some things that maybe Jesus would say? Do you think? Do you think they ever got into a situation like, well, I'm not, I'm not really sure how to answer that one. We, we need to ask Jesus. They couldn't phone Jesus. Yeah, Jesus had to trust him. The best training is on the job training, friends. And uh, we have a younger generation of believers coming up. And uh, we have an older generation of believers that is a part of this church. And you know what? It doesn't matter what age group you're in. Jesus desires to involve more laborers. He desires to partner uh, us with one another. And he desires to send us forth. May God help us in that way. But this heart leads to a prayer request that Jesus gives and uh, we're no stranger to this prayer request, but notice in verse number two, therefore, you see that? Therefore said he unto them. All right, guys, this is what I'm doing. Therefore, here's what I'm going to say. And this comes along with the instruction, but notice he says, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. We are aware of what Jesus has said here, and we've heard it hundreds, if not thousands of times, that the harvest truly is great. And Jesus is just as truthful saying that today in 2022 as he was then, the harvest is great. In fact, if the harvest was great then, it must be far greater now with the amount of people that are up on the earth. We, 
what is it, 7.9, almost 8 billion people that are upon the earth right now. And uh, looking at Down Joshua Projects, you can uh, look at them, joshuaprojects.net. Uh, they've broken down that there's about 17,400 people groups. But here's what's interesting as we break this down. There's about 12% of the earth's population that claim, uh, claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. About 20% that are nominal, uh, and you would wonder, you'd wonder in there, but nominal adherence. 26% with virtually no exposure, 42% who have heard and not responded. Certainly, uh, some people might take issue, uh, issue with the different percentages and, 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 and uh, the specifics of that, but it gives a little bit of an idea. L listen, there are, there are many more people out there that need to hear the gospel and to receive it, and we, and we, we must pray for that. But this troubling scenario is that the harvest is great. There's a lot of people out there that need to come to Jesus Christ. And there's even a lot of people who would come to him if they had a preacher. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13, 14, 15, and so on. So there's a great need. And Jesus says, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. We think about the Bible translation that Brother Ken Fielder is involved in and the different projects that he has done. His statistics are that there's about 7,000 plus different Bible or different language groups. So you break it down, it's about 7,000. Of those 17,400 uh, 17, people groups, there's about 7,000 languages. 700 of those uh, languages have a full Bible. 1,500 have the New Testament. About 1,100 have a piece of Scripture. But look where that leaves us at some 3,700 with no Bible at all. Now think about your life minus the Bible. Think about the darkness. Think about the, the, the hopelessness of not truly having uh, right answers. And I want us to think about this just a little bit more. Uh, Ken Fielder's uh, uh, organization put out a little video just to put this in perspective because we need to understand the need that is out there, this, this, this scenario that we're still facing, that Jesus was facing in that day. Can you play that? We believe the most vital work of the Great Commission is the translation of the Scriptures for those who have none. Without a Bible, how can churches be planted? How can believers be discipled and grow in faith? How can church planters be sent out? Worldview Ministries is a Bible translating ministry committed to the training of Bible translators and the translation of the Scriptures into the heart languages of unreached people groups. There are over 7,000 spoken languages in the world today, and only about 700 of them have a complete Bible. About 1,500 have the New Testament, and about 1,100 have only a Scripture portion. That means over 3,700 languages still have no Scripture. Worldview trains national translators in linguistics, biblical languages, and translation principles and philosophy. Then we work with them through the process of translating the scriptures into their own heart language. Want to be involved in Bible translation? Associates are needed who will live on the field and work with translation teams. Teachers are needed to help train the translation teams. Consultants are needed to help with checking the translated text. Worldview Ministries, translating the scripture, 
transforming nations. For more information, visit worldviewonline.net or contact us at info at worldviewonline.net or call us at 317-410-4600. Okay, so there's another need, um, and it's a, very, it's a very baseline need that is everywhere. So we can talk about missionaries, but with no Bibles, it's a big problem. Uh, the third week of Mission Weeks, we'll have a man by the name of Anders Swanson, who's going to work on the Maudi project that, uh, that we have out here, framed outside the office, and he's going to go and continue to help with that project uh, to help it on its way. A very, very uh, fo a focused young man and he will be uh, coming, so he is with Worldview, and he'll be coming uh, to us. But there's more that are needed. We support the Overtons, who are over in India, uh, doing exactly that. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't specialists. God equipped them, and God has helped them to do what they're doing over there. They're doing a fantastic job there in India, down in the southern part of India, and what a blessing it is to see that work uh, going, on, going on. But there is still a need. This troubling scenario that Jesus is noting, the uh, the harvest is great, but the labors are few, is still a need of today. And it's what ought to drive our prayer. It's what ought to drive our prayer towards what Jesus gave as a timeless solution. He did not give an expiration on this. Look at verse number two again. Pray ye therefore. If this is the scenario, well, here's the solution. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into the harvest field. Wait a minute. Uh, we, need to, we need to select out people. I think you'd be a great missionary. I think you would be a great person to translate Bibles. No, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into the harvest field. Beg this of God. Beg it of God. It is a command for us to, to beg of God that he would send forth labors into the harvest field. And even as I think about the needs in multiple churches and like ours, there's a need for more labors. Where do those labors come from? Bible college, that's right, Bible colleges. From other places, interns. No, the labors come from right here. The answer to the need of the harvest sits inside of this room three times a week. That's where the labors must come from, but we are dependent on the Lord of the harvest who alone can stir the heart, who alone can motivate spiritually and call and specifically appoint Say, this is your place in the harvest. This word pray is the idea of beg. It's the same word that's used in Luke 5 and verse number 12 when a leper comes to Jesus begging for Jesus to heal him. Now think if we would beg God like a, le a leper would for his physical health, if we would beg God for labors to be brought into the harvest fields, to be sent forth into the harvest fields of the world and even of Kettering. The Lord of the harvest is the one that can do it. He's the one that oversees the harvest. He's the boss. He's the commander. He's the master. He's the sender. And we are to implore him to do that. Pastors and churches don't send people. We acknowledge what Jesus Christ is already doing in their lives. And I use as an illustration Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 1. What was it? The church praying and working together and the, the Holy Spirit moved upon the church and and they heard his voice saying, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereto I have sent them. All they did is say, yes, we agree with the Holy Spirit. We need to have that heart, but where's that heart going to be born? Uh, where's that heart going to be developed and, and fertilized and, and nurtured? It's going to happen in prayer and in fasting. 
prayer is Christ's solution to the labor shortage. And we are all aware of the labor shortage. We're all aware that we live in a community that needs more of the gospel, needs Jesus Christ. We're aware that we live in a world that is running quickly away from God. And we must pray, like Jesus has commanded us, we must beg for him to send labors into the harvest field. And so I would love for us on these Wednesday nights and throughout these, uh, throughout these months just to, to allow the Lord to stir in our hearts. I'm going to pray every single day for the Lord to send labors into the harvest field. You ought to ask yourself questions like this. When, when am I going to pray? Well, every day, but when? How will I pray? Will I get alone? Will I do this on my drive? What will I pray? For, for who will I pray? How, I'm just going to pray for labors, or am I going to pray for labors to go to a specific place? Lord, how would you like me to pray? For whom will I pray? And you might put down, seeing that this is Luke 10 and verse number 2, you might put an alarm in your phone for 10.02, a.m. and 10.02 p.m., uh, if you're up that, at that time. Um, Lord, at this time of every day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and pray for labors to be sent to this harvest field. I'm going to ask that you send labors into the 1040 window. I'm going to ask that you send labors into Grenada. I'm going to ask that you send labors from our church into Kettering. Uh, I have a particular burden that has been developing over the summer, and it is for uh, a set of apartments here about a mile away from here. We pick up children uh, there, and, and I'm often praying, Lord, would you, would you stir up that area? We need laborers to go in there and hold some Bible studies, and we need uh, laborers to go in there and maybe do some Saturday afternoon, like a kid's thing in the park, and, and, and different things, uh, just ways to get in there and open up that, that community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But maybe you'd set a, a time, a, 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 an alarm on your phone in this way. I'm going to pray at this time. As we gather together on Wednesday nights, we're going to give time to prayer. And specifically tonight, I've given you a sheet that will help you to pray specifically for some nations that are in need of the gospel. And uh, you have that inside of, your, uh, inside of your guide. It's a yellow sheet. And that would take you over the next uh, about um, 40, 50 days or so. And there's, there's, there's lists on there of different areas. And the first one is Afghanistan. So I'd like to um, close and uh, I'd like to bring us to prayer, uh, specifically focusing on Afghanistan for just a moment. Afghanistan is a nation that has this year gone to the, the top uh, on the world watch list for persecution. We understand how some of that has happened. It's amazing how that there, there was freedom that was being opened up there, but Afghanistan is a nation that is in great peril right now, great persecution, and, great, and there's great suffering. And there, there is a struggle there for uh, those who would follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to catch this video, and then we're going to pray uh, for Afghanistan and pray for labors uh, there. And we're really going to be praying for labors to be brought up within Afghanistan, that the light of the gospel would, would be there and, and God would pierce through that darkness. So let's watch this and glean from it, and then we're going to take time to pray. We can certainly pray about other things, but we want to focus especially on this matter of praying for laborers in Afghanistan. Go ahead, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to pray for my country, Afghanistan. God, I don't know where to begin. 
but you work in wondrous ways and your ways are always beyond our understanding. Lord, in this time of hurt and pain, I lift up my people, the people of Afghanistan, in your presence. Lord, you know that a complete takeover of Afghanistan by the Taliban have left many people broken and hopeless. It has left many dreams uh, shattered and many lives lost. Lord, I pray that you be hope for the hopeless. You be the healer to all those who are broken and sad. Lord, I pray for the crumbled economy and healthcare system that have left so many families without food and any healthcare. Let your abundance and mercy be known so that all those who are hungry may find food and all those who are sick may find healing. God, I pray for all the human rights abuses in Afghanistan. I pray for the right of education of Afghan women. I pray for the right of Afghan women to be able to work and provide for their children. I pray for the right of our women to be able to dream. I acknowledge that as a nation we have sinned against you. We have always repelled your truth and we have murdered your people and have burnt your church. Lord, please have mercy on us. I pray for your church that you have established in Afghanistan among Afghans. Embolden us, strengthen us, give us wisdom and courage so that we could carry your truth to the other Afghans around us. Lord, when you were on Calvary, on that cross, everything seemed dark and hopeless, but you turned what seemed to be defeat in the eyes of humans to our greatest victory. And so, in full faith, I believe that you will turn all this hopelessness into a greater victory for your kingdom. I believe that just as you turned Saul into Paul, a murderer to an evangelist, so will you work in the hearts of the Taliban. I ask you, Father, in the name of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ, that there may come a day when the children of Taliban will become your followers and your evangelists, an instrument of your hand for your glory. May they go to further parts of the world and carry your message with them. May in everything your name be honored and glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, I ask all this prayer. Amen. As I mentioned, there's great persecution there of any Christians that are there, um, but large, large majority of Afghanistan is is unreached with the gospel, uh, just shackled in the darkness of Islam, very disillusioned. Those that are believers 
definitely do risk their lives to share their faith. Um, it is interesting uh, that the Lord does use Christian satellite television broadcasts, radio programming to still bring the gospel into some of these these areas. And uh, even we've had um, Brother Jeremy here with us who has some, uh, some of that going on over there and others. But uh, still, we're asking that the Lord would raise up laborers within. And the best people, as we learned Sunday, the best people to reach uh, a people is those that are the same, you know, same ci common citizenry. And uh, so we ought to pray that the Lord would raise up Afghans who are hearing the gospel through different ways uh, to reach their country with the gospel that is very, it's very, very dark, uh, but God can do it. And so, as you saw there, uh, we should pray for those that are disillusioned uh, with Islam to find salvation, freedom, hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, pray for the supernatural protection of the Afghan believers, courage, perseverance, that they would, they would listen to the Savior as he appoints them, involves them, uh, pairs them, and then and sends them into the harvest. Pray for the Taliban fighters that, to have uh, transformative encounters with Christ. Pray for the, just the physical needs, food, medical attention. But let's pray for laborers to be raised up. And so let's uh, split up uh, men with men, women with women. Let's split up and pray tonight. Certainly we can pray for other needs or our needs uh, for our church family. Let's pray for those. But let's pray specifically for the nation of Afghanistan that God would raise up laborers there. And I hope that we've learned something tonight in that regard. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.